I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring, 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 bring,
into being massive capitalist pigs <laughs> with massive mansions. You say slow. So, so this, is, uh, this is going to be a special Bon the Tories edition. Um, um, a, festive, a festive episode. A festive episode to remind you all that Tories are bad and we don't like them. <laughs> and um, the Tory we will be talking about... George Osborne. <laughs> So we're going to talk about why George Osborne's bad, not that anyone needs to be told why he's bad. Yeah, we're going to keep this a short one, I think. Cause, yeah, because you know. it's Christmas, we all just want to wind down. <laughs> not have to think about all the stuff that's, yeah. oh mate, it's been a mad year, hasn't it? So here we go, here's his Wikipedia. George Gideon Oliver Osborne, born the 23rd <laughs> of May 1971, which makes him... Satan. <laughs> <laughs> 47. Yeah. He's really young. He's much younger than all the... He was like the youngest serving Tory MP I think or something. He, he looks younger as well. He's not like most politicians where... They're worn they down. Were, they were a politician and they then look incredibly yeah. worn out. It's like he feeds off hatred. Yeah, well, he, look at his... He's got black eyes. I'm fully convinced he's a vampire. His eyes are black. I'm like 90% sure that he's like some kind of energy vampire who like thrives off hatred. <laughs> and our hatred and our booze only so make him stronger. So we should make this podcast really nice about him then because that will make him weak can i tell you wasn't originally called george his original name was gideon yeah and then he and said he was like mom, i want to run for office one day yeah. and they're not going to go for gideon it's too overtly upper class he said so. it was my small act of rebellion to change his name like, what about all that cocaine did george <laughs> was that a... um he is the british conservative party politician who was member of parliament mp for tatton from June 2001 until he stood down on the 3rd of May 2017, so quite a while. He served as Chancellor of the Exchequer under the Prime Minister David Cameron from 2010 to 2016. He has been editor of the London Evening Standard since May 2017 and chair of the Northern Powerhouse Partnership. That's my favourite thing that he does, MPP. I just can't believe he just <coughs> runs the Evening Standard and, and everyone's letting him do it and it's fine. And every every day on my way home, I'm offered a paper that he edits. It's like the U2 album, isn't it, that appeared on everybody's phones for free? It's like... Everyone was like, we don't want this. <laughs> uh, what I really like about the Evening Standard, they've got two options of crossword that are mm. within the same grid. So someone has created something where each word is the same amount of letters. Mm. Whether it's in the cryptic... Do you not think that's amazing? Yeah, I think that is, that is remarkable. Every day. And I think it's better than anything George Osborne's ever contributed <laughs> to anyone's life, ever. <laughs> Remember when he got booed on television? That was funny, wasn't it? Those were the days. But he was, he was not even bothered. I've never seen a man more overjoyed to get booed. He loved it. He loved Did every he? second of it. Yeah. If that was me, I'd, I'd drown myself. I'd be so... <laughs> To get booed at the Paralympics. Because he was responsible for changing all of the disability yeah. allowance and killing thousands of people as a result. But, like, imagine turning up to that and being like, oh, it'd probably be fine. <laughs> I'm sure They've probably none of, forgotten by I'm now. sure none of these people who are educated on disability issues will have uh, <laughs> well, noticed what I've done. <laughs> they're all, they're all, they don't get it, do they? <laughs> what, I, what I always think about about people like George Osborne, I'm like, how much of what he says and does, does he believe from an ideological standpoint? How much does he believe what he's done is good? I, I just, I'm fascinated by cognitive dissonance and kind of what we, the perceived effect of our actions 
and what our actions have actually done. I think that the way we get away with it is structures and we forget that structures are created by humans and I think this is so epitomised in the political structures that we've created that mean that people go, well, it's just the way that it works, mm. is that the politics is about the politics rather than any... No one's ever talking about any kind of policies or it's always about manoeuvres and it's this kind of game yeah. that people are playing. And, and Especially th- in this country with the kind of history of the class system as we have it and our political structures like you're talking about in parliament like when the brexit debate was happening there were people in the u.s like tuning in like hey guys look at all these ridiculous people shouting at each other it's really fun <laughs> yeah you it's know. seen as a soap opera isn't it mm. brexit at the moment that's kind of and it's hard not to get drawn into that and the sort of the drama of it and mm. watching Theresa may's fall and all of that and trying to remember actually this is going to directly impact people's lives and be really miserable mm. in a really personal way for people but again it's like the um the populist movement as well that's what all our politicians are they're career politicians and they're populists and mm. despite being very unpopular that is what george osborne is as well mm. but i think you're so right what has happened with brexit but it happens all the time anyway is the way that the political structure works means that no one is ever accountable mm-hmm. so part of the reason i think we want to do george osborne is he is responsible for austerity that is directly affecting mm-hmm. us now massively because he was Chancellor of the Exchequer in 2010 and he had this policy which was to reduce public spending and that was him. And like David Cameron calling a referendum, he then just gets to tootle off and nobody's kind of holding him to account over the fact that he's personally responsible for killing, literally, I've got it written down somewhere. Okay. So in March 2008, uh-huh. he, George Osborne tweeted... He had this whole thing where he was like, in 2010, he was like, we're going to reduce the deficit by mm-hmm. cutting public spending. Okay. It was supposed to be a short-term thing yeah. with the kind of aim of it ending in about 2015. In 2013, once £14.3 billion had already been cut, David Cameron basically said, this is now going to be the model that we use moving forward and um, this reduction in public spending is going to be made permanent. So mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, we're just dealing with the financial crash that happened 10 years ago. It's like, this is now the structure we live in, which is that we don't give enough money to people. Mm-hmm. Um, in March 2018, so this year, George Osborne tweeted, we got there in the end, a remarkable national effort, thank you, basically saying, look, the thing that I implemented in 2010 has now worked. The economy is now fixed. Bitch, where? Well done, everybody. But as, like, you know, if you actually look and I think it's really, again, shows the cognitive dissonance. He's saying a, a remarkable national effort. Um, in 2017, the Independent found that there had been 120,000 deaths as a direct result of the austerity um, implemented by George Osborne since 2010. So it's like, thanks, everyone. Thanks, all 120,000. Thanks for dying. <laughs> Cheers, guys. And it's now all sorted. I ju- maybe I'm not an econ- like I'm not economically minded enough to understand it. We know we all <laughs> listen to the Jeff Bezos episode. <laughs> but what I don't understand is how and George Osborne does this. He talks about the economy as though it's like a thing, like a an animal or yes, something. Yes, he is. He is very strongly. He, all of his ideology is very heavily neoliberal. So it's yeah. about reducing how big the state is and that's something which he sees as good so he sees a smaller state as being an intrinsically good thing to work towards and in my mind i'm like okay i think 
that is how he sleeps at night because he sees this political thing which is not necessarily either good or evil it's just a goal to be met and if he meets that then he is working towards a good thing because in his mind that's what he believes in and then I'm trying to square that in, in my own head because I'm I mean I'm so in my head I guess I people would say well you just believe in big state you believe in a big government or whatever and I'm like, maybe I do. Maybe I'm just, you know, working towards this thing which isn't necessarily by itself good or evil, but that's how my political views have been shaped by the experiences that I've had and the teachers that I've had and all the rest of it. But I think to do anything ruthlessly and dogmatically mm-hmm. and to just steamroller towards a, a specific system or a specific way of this is how it has to be done yeah. and we cannot have a big state I find that suspect. I find anything where it's there's not any room for any shades of grey or subtlety suspect because the way our brains work as humans is we like things to be one way or the other. Yeah. It's like as well, who yeah. it, it takes away like who is the economy for? That is such a theoretical mm. concept, isn't it? And he's saying like, Oh look, it's worked. Um, the uh, the goal we had in two thousand and ten we've achieved in two thousand and eighteen, but like in that time street homelessness has gone up by over 100 percent like that's not the economy working because people are poor it just logically doesn't it's again it's him being so removed from the kind of human consequences and Mm. effects of the system that he i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Part of creating to like, it just how he can not see that as valuable mm. as the economy needing to serve the people of the country. Mm. blows my tiny little mind I mean everyone's the hero of their own story aren't they so I don't think for a second that George Osborne would listen to what we're saying and agree with us I think that he would he'd be like stupid he would see his his quest towards reducing the government's involvement in giving money to um, people on benefits and and public schemes (laughs) like the NHS as uh, he he sees that as his his quest for greatness and for good and for you know he he think he sees himself as a hero yeah. so i think if you don't have direct human experience of seeing the pain that a capitalist of an aggressive capitalist society places on the people who have the least in society i think our brains are very good at okay. getting us away from the actual human cost of it Name drop. I went on Ed Miliband's podcast, Reasons to Be Cheerful. Yes, Queen. And they ask sort of comedians at the end to like pitch policies. And mm. one of the things, and it's to me the most obvious thing in the world is empathy politics, which is you shouldn't be able to implement a policy without knowing that you, in fact, without you living directly by it. And mm. you know, I've said that to people before, and they're like, yeah, but you can't expect people to live on minimum wage who are in the. And it's like, well, then if you can't expect it, then mm. nobody should be expected to do it. And you see it with austerity mm. throughout the sort of 
since 2010 you've seen it with housing they start to become issues as soon as they start to become middle class issues so like the housing crisis we're all talking about it loads now because it's affecting middle class people Mm -hmm. and it's affecting people's children who aren't able to get on the property ladder Mm -hmm. like it has been years of austerity affecting working class people but they're just it's this viewing working class as other all the time and almost like well that's the status you're born in and therefore that's the status you will continue to live in um and you don't deserve anything better or any more support or any more this weird way that we measure people's value by the amount of money they have is just baffling to me um but i think it takes a lot i think no matter how kind and empathetic you are yeah it takes a lot to kind of understand different ways that people live unless you're exposed to their stories and yeah why, like we have a real duty i think it's like people who create art and stories and stuff like that to make sure that there is as many kind of there is much range of different ways of living out there as possible yeah but it also baffles me that it's not a duty of politicians yeah. to kind of witness how people live but also to experience it themselves i think also on that the like you were saying earlier about the game of politics and the game of westminster i think hardens people who go into it with good intentions so i think a lot of mps go into Westminster wanting to make changes and wanting to be good people and our parliament is is the way it's formatted the way debates happen is so weird and so reductive Mm. that it just reduces everyone to jeering in a chamber and it's not it's not it's not the best system for discussing complex issues it's all about who shouts the loudest it's the whole backbench thing it's but if you're it's a local MP who's really desperately trying to get something on the agenda or get something talked about in Parliament, you've not got the time or the capacity to be dealing with deconstructing an entire political exactly. system. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. It's really, really hard. And the amount of friends, <coughs> I don't know if you agree, I've had who are um, who are very imaginative in the different ways we could be structuring mm. um, our politics in our world, then kind of enter into these structures. And it's the Kate Tempest lyric of, like, people are tiny and systems are huge, which is, like actually as an individual you do not have the capacity to mm. deconstruct something which is why we need collective action oh. <laughs> because as a, you know if we all didn't buy into the system to start with then we could deconstruct it couldn't we um, yeah but it's really hard because if you've got a constituency where people are homeless and you need that talked about in parliament then you probably are going to jeer a bit when when someone stands up and said we've we've done it austerity's ended yeah um, and we're all okay now you are going to go do you know though there is a real there is a real culture as well with this public school kind of theory where you do work really hard as well it's yeah. not complacent upper class people it's incredibly hard work yeah high achieving tireless. yeah and so you go well i'm busy from dawn till dusk uh running all these different jobs and on all these different boards like everybody should be as busy as i am and they don't recognize actually like a mum who's working three jobs where she's cleaning and she's you know doing some shifts at wherever it's just as exhausting and just yeah. as tireless and just as hard but she's not getting all of the yeah. millions of pounds that you are for doing what like does it. he do have you got his yes. jobs written down? i've got all of his jobs this might take a while to settle in okay. so obviously he was mp um and while he was mp he got appointed the editor of the london evening standard so it was the end of his yeah yeah um so I've also tried to find how much he's getting paid for all of these. So for the editor of the London Evening Standard, he gets two hundred thousand pounds a year for four days a week. Um, he is what? um he is an academic. He's an, in an academic post. I don't know what that means, 
for BlackRock, which is a US investment fund. Yeah. Um, for that, how much do you think he gets for that? To work at BlackRock. When he's an acad- he's on an academic post- On an academic... So he advises with their investments, basically. Advises with their investments. Okay, I'm going to say that he gets uh, 100 grand a year. £650,000 a year. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, no. So he's a fellow oh my at God. the McCain Institute. Um, no one, no one, <coughs> no one needs this amount of money. A fellow at the McCain Institute, all he gets there is a stipend to cover, is that the word, right way of saying that word, stipend? Yeah. To cover I think travel. So. Or maybe it's stipend. Potato, potato. A stipend to cover travel and research costs. How much do you think he gets to travel, to cover his travel and research costs? A year. Um, five grand a year? £120,000, 212. <laughs> I mean, how is he travelling in a... <laughs> in, in, like, some kind of weird... In Elon situation. Musk's submarine, that's how he's travelling. <laughs> uh, just absolutely bonkers. Um, he's a visiting fellow at the Hoover Institute, which I really love. I, I like to think that he's talking about hoovering. He gets paid uh, two hundred eighty thousand. Oh. oh no, sorry, no, twenty eight thousand. Oh, is that all? Um, oh, to deliver. let's do a collection for him. It is Christmas, guys. I think that might be also per lecture that he delivers. Right, we're not at the end yet. <laughs> um, while he was an MP, because you have to claim your earnings while you're an MP, mm. he did twelve speeches at the Washington Speakers Bureau. Mm-mm. How much do you think he got paid to do twelve speeches? I mean, I don't know anymore. <laughs> so if he so he got twenty four grand per thing for that one. So I'm going to say they pay him forty grand a lecture. Okay, so forty times twelve. <laughs> Maths isn't either <laughs> of us. <laughs> <our strong points. laughs> Five hundred grand. Eight hundred thousand pounds. So that was when the Americans love him because he's yeah he's very much on their because side also of... because he sorted out our economy so he's explaining to them how you do it yeah how you do it um he's also the chairman of a panel of advisors to exor who own a football club and something else exor know. isn't that an... what is that i don't know but this does make me think when he's then confronted by a single mum who works three jobs he goes well i work 24 jobs so this is this is austerity britain like that's what we all have to pull our socks up and do our bit like he clearly is a very busy man. Oh, he's also the chairman of the Northern Powerhouse Partnership, as I said at the beginning from his Wikipedia page. So I mean, it's 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 been the same for time immemorial. They send the boys over the top and they don't go themselves. You know, it's this kind of, like you say, everyone, everyone up by their bootstraps. Come on, guys, we've just got to tighten our belts a little bit. Mm. And it's like, no, you tighten yours, <laughs> actually. <laughs> yeah. No one on this earth needs to make that amount of money. It's it's absolutely bonkers. But he already he does. It's not like he has not got independent wealth to start with. Yeah. Like he already has a personal wealth of something like eight million pounds. And then on top of that, his yearly salary. Just looking at this is 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 basically a million, isn't it? If you add all these up. No, it's yeah, more. but he probably start frothing at the mouth over the taxes he has to pay. <laughs> so he was Chancellor of the Exchequer 2010-2016 and then Theresa May, God lover, came in and gave him the old heave-ho Well, cause, probably because she didn't trust him I don't think there's many people she can trust because they all hate her Yeah But what she didn't anticipate I mean, she took a job no one else wanted so, I mean, there was, you know um, 
But also, she made a mistake by firing um, George Osborne because he's now obviously editor of the London Evening And Standard. just slates her yeah. every single day. It kind of ties into what we were saying loads earlier about mm. the accountability of politicians as well. That George Osborne is creating more and more of a culture to his newspaper and the way that we kind of deliver news, which mm. is, which means that politicians aren't accountable. Where you're in what way? So, I went to this lecture yeah, yeah on the Anthropocene, which you should Google because it's the most terrifying thing in the world. It's basically the New Age. So you know you've got like the Stone Age. And yeah. Da, 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 um, is is we are now living in the Anthropocene, okay. which is post nature. Nature is dead. Like nature, nature doesn't exist anymore because human ha, humans have such an impact on the planet that everything that happens is completely human led. Yeah. Like all even natural, um, even natural evolution is completely human led yeah. because we dominate so much of the planet. But one of the things this lecturer was talking about is because he's a geologist and he was saying the absolute necessity for our understanding of deep time, which is the fact that actually if humans, if, if the universe has existed for a year, yeah. then humans have turned up on New Year's Eve. Like if, if um, the universe has existed for a 24 hour day on, the, on a watch, then humans have been here for the last 30 seconds and our impact has been the most monumental of kind of anything. So that's terrifying, but also what he was saying is the cultures that we've created because of the way we report news and the way our politics works is that it used to be that politicians didn't really have enough time to do anything anyway. They had sort of three or five years in power. Right. So they're always thinking quite short term in terms of the next election, which is really bad. But now they're not even doing that. They're living day to day about whether or not they're going to survive the next day. And that's the kind of culture that people like Donald Trump tweeting have created but also Twitter has created but also people like George Osborne feeding into the headlines yeah. of that has created and it means that there is no kind of long term thinking and political structural yeah. thinking in terms of like how we're going to save the planet or like how we're going to set up economic structures that will actually be sustained after we die because we we're the most important yeah. things well we sort of forget that that exists don't we yeah. we're so in denial that the world is going to that we are that there is something post us, like, that we should actually be preserving. Or that even maybe we're not that important. The fact that we just centre ourselves and everything. It's yeah, probably why yeah. all the aliens don't want to come and hang out with us. Um, the myth of the individual is completely destroying us. Everything is completely centred around yourself. And mm. it's what's making us really deeply unhappy. Yeah. Because it means that we all think that there's a way we should be living our lives and mm. how should we exist. And actually, we should be thinking more as a collective of how do we. Like Margaret Thatcher, there's no such thing as society. Yeah, she's responsible. When you and bring her dreams, back. her dreams come true. We all yeah. live in these isolated. You know, we're we're all concerned with our own families and not concerned with anyone else's. Yeah. And I'm completely guilty of this because I think it's such a human thing to feel like there's not going to be enough resources for me, and it's yeah. you know. I don't think that is a human thing. I think that's a na- that's nature of nurture. I think that we have created that in mm. our brains. I, don't I think we have the capacity for both. I don't. I think that we're really nice to each other. Oh. But we've destroyed that. <laughs> we've made a world where George Osborne can exist. Yeah. He really does exist, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. So that was George Osborne. War is over. What's your favourite Christmas song? Merry Christmas! <laughs> it was, of course, 
unequivocally, should we go three, two, one, and say yeah. it over? Three, two, one. The Christmas pose. time. Don't let the bells well, over by wrong, the darkness. Aren't you? You're absolutely wrong. <laughs> no, actually, I do love the pose. Where do you stand on the um, you scumbag? You, mm. you. I think mm-hmm. it was a different time. It was a different time, wasn't it? Also, what do you replace it with? Maggot. Taggart. I used to love that show. You've taped over Taggart. The problem is with this joke is it, it's set in, the song's set in New York. Wait, is that already a joke? Yeah. You've taped over Taggart. Yeah. Is that what people sing? You scumbag, you, you tag, taped maggot, over. you've taped over Taggart. Merry Christmas, your ass. I hope God it's our last. <laughs> oh, wait, is maggot already rhymes with the gay slur? Yeah, you've already got maggot, so you oh. can't have maggot twice. We need Taggart. But the thing is, they wouldn't be watching Taggart in New York. Yeah, but we're recontextualising it for a modern era. It's called it. Fairy Tale of New York. The two characters are Shut in New up. York. Shut up! I'm ruining, ruining Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Bitchin', a podcast by Tilly Steele and Helen Monks. Our music is by Dave Cribb, and our artwork was designed by Luke W. Robson. We're taking a break for a bit to eat mince pies and play video games, but we'll be back and bitching in the new year.